Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canada's finance minister and the U.S. Treasury secretary say their countries are working together to fight rising inflation. This is a very consequential time for both Canada and the United States. The global economy is changing, and that poses challenges for both of our countries. But it also offers historic opportunities today and in the years ahead. The public safety minister is looking into giving MPs panic buttons as cases of threats and intimidating incidents increase. I am worried about what that means for politics generally, what that means for people who want to participate and see something like that and then maybe think it's not a place for me and how we might miss on some incredible people who won't come forward and participate in politics. And the Liberals propose another year of hybrid parliament. I've had a conversation uh, with other House leaders and inform them that we will be moving forward uh, with, a, with a motion to see the hybrid provisions continued uh, for uh, an additional year. In that period of time, we're asking the Procedure and House Affairs Committee uh, to study the, uh, the utilization or the lack of utilization in a post-pandemic reality of the, uh, both the hybrid provisions uh, and the voting app. It's Tuesday, June 21st. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Mark. Let's start by talking about inflation and the state of the economy, because there were a couple of big developments yesterday. First of all, Christia Freeland, the Canadian finance minister and deputy prime minister, met with Janet Yellen, the U.S. Treasury secretary. And they emerged from that meeting uh, talking about how Canada and the United States are going to work together to combat global inflation. And I know a lot of people will say, you know, it's great, great that we're working together. But what does that mean, ultimately? It's it, and, and what specific steps are you going to take to tackle this this enormous crisis and and potentially devastating crisis? Um, and as well. Uh, the the economists at the Bank of Nova Scotia uh, have basically said that the government is contributing to the rising uh, to to rising inflation. That federal spending, high levels of federal spending, are hurting the fight against inflation. They they released this report. So, um, what do you what do you think about how the government is handling this and how how seriously it's being? Uh, considered and whether there are some specific steps beyond saying we're going to work with our allies uh, to deal with this problem. Well, clearly they they are trying to treat it uh, as a communications problem uh, because I I haven't heard anything in sort of the um, and I don't want to be too harsh because I I think that that governments are in a bind a little bit on this one too and. And it's a very difficult thing to come out and say, basically, this is very complicated and there's not a whole lot we can do about it, but we're going to try and talk our way through this anyway, which has basically been Christa Freeland's message since last Thursday when she did her big speech. Is that, you know, it is a very complicated world. Inflation is, is bad, yes, but it's worse in other countries. I'm not sure that the average Canadian is going to feel much reassured by knowing that it's complicated and that that Christopher Freeland and Jan Yellen get along well together, which was very much on display. They talked about how they talk often. But you're right. And then, you know, we get this report from Scotiabank saying that the government 
needs to rein in spending, that the government has an example to set, and that the government is spending so much it may be crowding out private sector spending. So uh, all of this, uh, you know, I think we talked about this last week too, that we're getting the sense of, you know, that the, the, parliament, the, the, the stage is being set for a summer in which all the MPs have to go out and the ministers and, and talk to Canadians out there in the world. And they're walking out into a world where people are very upset about inflation, they're very upset about travel, they're upset about even though uh, the pandemic just doesn't seem to want to go away. So I, I think all of that is contributing to what we're seeing here is, is the government taking these last weeks of Parliament sitting or these last days to try and improve the mood out there. I'm not sure that that's going to help, but that's their best shot right now. Yeah. All right. Let's turn to another serious matter, and that's the safety of parliamentarians. Uh, Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino says he's looking into giving panic buttons to members of Parliament to increase their personal security, in part because... He says he's been subject to death threats on social media in recent weeks. Um, so I, uh, these are panic buttons that the MPs would be able to carry around with them. It's interesting because it uh, it comes at a time when there's, of course, been all of this uh, scrutiny in the United States on, on what happened on January 6th of uh, last year and where there have been scenes of, of uh, people breaching the Capitol building in the United States and, and getting into some of the offices of, of uh, representatives in Congress. Um, so it's, and we just had the convoy in downtown Ottawa in February, and there are some potential demonstrations coming this summer. So I know it's, it's top of mind for everyone. Um, how, how do you react to this? This is, this is obviously a very serious story. It's, it's a really serious story. It's alarming. It's disturbing. I think, you know, before Minister Mentecino spoke yesterday, there was another article that by Charlie Angus, who is certainly not an alarmist, the NDP MP, longtime MP, former uh, band member. He's uh, he's certainly not afraid to get in scraps, and he told a story in Policy Magazine that was um, about what it's like to be to have been an MP over these last six months since the convoy, and the kind of threats he feels he's facing now. And I didn't know this, but apparently Parliament Hill Security has also been talking to MPs. Um, Here's his exact... Parliament Hill Security is advising elected officials to scope out public events before entering, to be briefed in advance on potential threats, and to have an escape plan in case things go wrong. The experts admitted that the toxicity, rage, and threats faced by elected officials have become so amped up it's difficult to come up with workable solutions. That's Charlie Angus, who is certainly not a shrinking violet, and he is very disturbed about what we heard last week in the abacus polling about you know the, the rising belief in conspiracy theories. And and he, he raises, I highly commend the piece to people, he, he he wonders whether our democracy is being rewired and whether we have any way of dealing with this. So I think that the two things together should, again, the stage is being set for MPs to go out into the, their constituencies all summer and do the work they prefer to do, frankly, uh, which is try to help people with their problems and, and, you know, on the barbecue circuit and meet people. 
But the fact that that may be a dangerous thing to do now is shocking and, and a sign of how far we've come since last year when we first saw these crazy protests around the Prime Minister and thought it was a one-off. And what Charlie Angus seems to be talking about and Marco Mendicino seems to be talking about is a dangerous escalation. And I think that's uh, something for all of us to be thinking about this summer. Yeah. Um, and and I, I know a lot of people beyond Parliament Hill are concerned about how the state of politics and public discourse is contributing to to this problem uh, at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I think the MPs have to take some responsibility for it too, as mm. well. I will just say my two cents on this one. You can't stand up every day and scream that your opponents are wicked, evil, corrupt, uh, whatever, and I blame all sides of this, and then blame the public for the fact that everybody thinks politicians are corrupt criminals, et cetera. That, yeah. I, I think everybody has had, has played a price has, has played a part in, in this escalation of the rhetoric and everybody's got to play a part in ratcheting it down. You know, it's not enough for MPs to have panic buttons. It's we, we really need to clean up the game here of politics. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, all right, uh, let's talk about, while we're talking about MPs and, and how they function together, uh, the government is looking at uh, continuing to have hybrid sessions of Parliament in, uh, in the months ahead, perhaps for another year. Um, and Liberal House Leader Mark Holland uh, announced that yesterday. We're, of course, in the final days before the summer break. Uh, there, there are people who disagree, obviously, with that and say that it's time for Parliament to be back in person, full-time, uh, as so many other things are now. Uh, what do you think about all of this? It's interesting because, you know, a whole bunch of different topics get lumped into this one as well. So we're, Mark Holland yesterday brought up the fact that the Prime Minister was virtually attending Parliament last week because he has COVID. And five other MPs that we know of have it as well, too, in these last few days before the summer. So clearly the pandemic is not over. The point, I think, that the, the Liberals and New Democrats, I think the New Democrats are going to support this, so it will probably uh, be in place. And there is going to be some kind of study of what has worked and what hasn't in the hybrid parliament. But I think what's also lumped into this is, has this made it easier to be an MP? And... What I've been hearing, for especially, you know, young families and people who have elderly relatives to take care of, that it may, it may be making politics, especially in a big country like this, a little more family-friendly, that you don't need to have MPs driving through snowstorms, you know, in, in the, the wilds of British Columbia to get to a, a, a vote in the House of Commons. And... I do see that point. I think it was like 10 years ago, I went to a speech by Belinda Stronach after she'd left advocating for things like hybrid voting sessions so that, that politics was more friendly to women with small children at home. So I, I think there are parliamentarians who want to have that conversation. It's not just an accommodation for COVID. It's, a, it's, it's bringing parliament into the 21st century. It's a workplace we're all talking about how to do our work differently. And the Conservatives, though, have a point uh, that it's it's a little easier to avoid a question when you're doing things virtually. 
And it doesn't feel like the same thing as accountability when it's all done through screens. So I think we're going to, it looks like we are going to have a hybrid for another year. But I, I do think it's time to do some hard thinking about the political workplace beyond just the rhetoric in it and exactly what is accountability when it, how yeah. do you make it accountable and also accommodating? Yeah, it's a great question because there is, uh, there there are potential gains from from using technology, including not having members of parliament in who live in in far flung ridings from Ottawa, uh, far right. distant ridings, be having to travel so far each week, and and maybe that means more more people will be interested in serving in parliament. But there are lots and lots of factors here, obviously. Um, Susan, this has been great. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate Thank it. You. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. I've had a conversation uh, with other House leaders and informed them that we will be moving forward uh, with, a, with a motion to see the hybrid provisions continued uh, for uh, an additional year. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Erica Raymond and Melanie Thomas argue continuing with remote participation can make Parliament more inclusive. They write... After two years of pandemic-enforced remote work, many workplaces across Canada are determining the ideal balance between in-person and remote work. Parliament must do the same. Hybrid parliaments can be more welcoming for women and other underrepresented groups, but in order to reap these benefits, any future hybrid parliamentary model must be designed with equity and accessibility in mind. In The Hill Times, Michael Harris considers the state of the Conservative leadership campaign. Harris writes, One wonders if the Conservative Party will ever hold a leadership race without turning it into a master class of mud wrestling and mutual denunciation. They are usually so busy slagging each other, any notion of policy is at best an afterthought. Pierre Poilievre's latest attack on Patrick Brown is a bad development for a lot of reasons. The party already has its work cut out for it, trying to verify the bona fides of more than 600,000 alleged new members Adding a separate investigation of one camp in the middle of that process will be onerous. In the Ottawa Citizen, Ken Rubin argues access to information is failing Canadian taxpayers. Rubin writes, Canada's Access to Information Act, which turns 40 this year, has increasingly achieved the opposite of what it was intended for, helping Canadians exercise their right to know about federal government operations. Let's not celebrate an Access Act that kills off full information release. Let's put it on a constitutional footing, lay out daily government records, free employees from their codes of silence, ensure whistleblowers are allowed protection, and give us the appeal rights to confront any attempts to go back to the old repressive secrecy ways. That's the way forward in a truly participatory democracy. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will virtually attend the cabinet meeting and question period. Innovation Minister François-Philippe Champagne will attend the collision conference in Toronto, where he will take part in a fireside chat with the Minister of the Economy for Luxembourg. And the interim leader of the Green Party, Amita Kuttner, will introduce the party's new deputy leaders at a news conference in Ottawa. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, June 21st. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.